911. What's your emergency? I can't find Captain Nash and his wife's cruise ship. Tonight, 911 comes to ABC. If we're going to make it out of here, we got to work together. Tonight at 9 on ABC, followed by 7 News at 11. She was hired to fix DC's 911 problems. It was the worst I'd ever seen. But instead says she was fired for exposing the failures. The blame belongs in leadership. Now the I-team digs into what fueled the mayor's decision. Tonight on 7 News at 5. Hello and welcome to Hysteria. I'm Erin Ryan. This week, Alyssa Mastermonico, Grace Para, Megan Gailey, and Naomi Ekparrigan take on the following questions. Can we stop trying to extrapolate national trends from Iowa and New Hampshire already, please? How long ago did chivalry actually die, and did feminists kill it? Does equality between the sexes mean that nobody should hold the door for anybody? And is it fair for straight women to expect men to get down on one knee to propose? What if he has bad knees? All of this and more on this week's Hysteria. With New Hampshire behind us and 48 other state primaries and caucuses ahead of us, the race for the Democratic nomination now has a frontrunner, Bernie Sanders. The rest of the field is nowhere near anybody would have predicted a few months ago. Mayor Pete's in second. The person who hates Mayor Pete with the burning fire of a thousand suns, Amy Klobuchar, is in third. And Joe Biden is via satellite. To break down what's going on and help clean up some of the shattered crystal balls littering the floors of cable newsrooms, I've got my friend, Birkenstock goddess and former White House Deputy Chief of Staff under President Obama, Alyssa Mastermonico. Hello. Hey, Alyssa. Hi, Erin. Um, first of all, congratulations to you. And, On what? To you and to me. Uh, we have several days now before another caucus or primary activity, and I just am feeling really proud of our country and of myself and of you that we get all of this time without having to worry about who's voting for who. But can I tell you something that actually hurts my heart so much? Okay. The Nevada caucuses are on my 44th birthday. <laughs> oh, no. I know. <laughs> okay, I've got I've got one up on you. Um, what the 2016 Democratic National Convention contained my birthday. My birthday is at the end of July. Oh. And on my birthday, I went to it was just like it was an awful week of weather. It was way, way, way too hot. Everything was spread out like in Cleveland. Everything was all together for the RNC. The DNC was not very fun logistically. Yeah, um, and on my birthday, I spent all day kind of traipsing to all these different events, way too hot, wearing nylons, even though, you know, because that's what Why? people, because that's what, it's like a standard, people wear nylons. And uh, that night I went to a Planned Parenthood party that Lizzo performed at. Whoa! Yeah, yeah. So the day itself was sort of weird, but the Lizzo performance was cool. That's cool. Yeah, there were, into that. there were protesters outside, though, that had some pretty graphic posters. I was like, look, it's my birthday. Leave me alone. Since Donald Trump became president, we've moved past, like, pantyhose, right? Nylons, they're dead. Oh, 100%. Unless you're robbing, <laughs> unless you're robbing a bank, you should not be wearing nylons. And then they're over your face, so it's totally different ballgame. Right, totally. Um, I, have a, I have another question for you, though, not related yes. to nylons. Um. Do you think Kamala Harris is wishing she'd stayed in the race right about now? 
Lord B. I mean, I I don't know. Like maybe, you know, when you drop out, you feel fucking free, you know, and like you kick back and you watch what it is when there's all the chit chat about whether or not they're going to let Bloomberg into the debate. I th- and like not have to meet the thresholds that other people did. I don't know if she wishes if she were back in, but I bet she was pissed. <laughs> yeah, I, I, my main reason for thinking that I was thinking this as I was watching the returns come in from New Hampshire on Tuesday, mm. um, and and witnessing Amy Klobuchar. Even though Amy, you know, Bernie Sanders won the primary. Pete Buttigieg came in second. Amy Klobuchar though came in third, and she's really mounted a. Uh, there's been a swell in in clove trotting over the last couple of weeks. The Klobistans? The Klobistans have re- have really uh, grown in number, and you know Amy Klobuchar was kind of in on the path of being an also ran up until last night's really strong th- third place, still third place performance. And I was just thinking, you know, Kamala Harris is one of those people who could be explosive in a debate. And it it's it seemed to me like Klobuchar's uh, turnaround or her boost was sort of brought to you by her really good performance in her last debate. So that was my I was like, you know, I wonder if Kamala could have pulled something off like Amy Klobuchar did. Well, here's the interesting thing, right, is that what (laughs) Kamala did is she came out on the attack, right? Like she was super strong in debates. She criticized the other candidates in the race, you know, fairly, like they all have disagreements, but she was very, she like really leaned into it and wanted to distinguish herself. What we haven't seen yet is what happens now that Klobuchar and all of them are going to have to do the same thing, Mm -hmm. right? So... So Klobuchar had like a really even, I mean, we both said she had a fucking great debate performance. She's the person who comes in, it feels, with a plan and executes, mm-hmm. right? Which is what how I felt about Kamala, mm-hmm. is that she you could tell by the end of the debate what she hoped to do and sort of whether or not she did it. So I think it'll be interesting to see now that, uh, that uh, Klobuchar is pushing into like the upper, look, anyone who's made it to the top three, top four has gotten the shit kicked out of them at some point. Mm-hmm. And the question is whether you bounce back from getting the shit kicked out of you. Sure, so. sure. Yeah, I mean, and, and the thing is, there are negative stories about Klobuchar that have been out, but they came out at a time when she wasn't considered a front runner, like the story Correct. of the way that she treated her staff, staff. Uh, and, and the sort of way that it hasn't really been atoned for. Do you think that's going to end up hurting her? You know, it's hard to say, right? Because is it like old news because it came out a couple months ago? I mean, the thing is they weren't, they, it was not an isolated incident. It seemed like sort of a, a pervasive behavior pattern. Um, so I don't know if those, uh, if those specific stories are going to come back to haunt her, but I do think that, you know, now she's going to be tested. She's going to look at a lot of the people who are in the top tier have released plans. She hasn't released a ton of plans and therefore they haven't been picked apart. You know, I mean, Elizabeth Warren released every plan under the sun. And the thing is, she gave people a lot of fodder to just pick apart. And so, you know, I really hope that, you know, having someone like Warren or like Bernie, like, or people who take the time to really think through plans and try to explain them to the American people, 
aren't the ones targeted and dissembled by the media because they've actually done the work. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's time, you know, that Klobuchar, like everybody else, because it will happen, whoever the general election candidate is, whoever the nominee of the party is, is going to get the shit kicked out of them. So it's time to like make sure we're kicking the shit out of everybody so that, you know, the skeletons are revealed, the policies are understood so that, you know, the next 48 contests we have, um, you know, like people have all the facts. Right. I mean, and and let's talk about Elizabeth Warren a little bit, because it seems like uh, in New Hampshire, she had a disappointing finish Mm -hmm. during during her speech, though. She was, as always, she was very classy. And she congratulated, quote, my friend Amy Klobuchar for showing just how wrong the pundits can be when they count a woman out. What do you think happened to Warren's campaign? And do you think that she... Um, and people who support her should <laughs> not should feel bad. But do you think that they have reason to be less than be optimistic? Yeah, certainly. I mean, for sure. The thing that I feel specifically about Warren is kind of what we were just talking about, is that in her effort to show America how much she had thought about this, how prepared she was, she released plans. And then the the media and certain people just like picked those plans apart and tried to show why some of what she wanted to achieve was pie in the sky. Now, my point is I want a little pie in the sky. I want people who aren't just like, I'm going to get in there and maintain the status quo. I just won't be a racist. Um, and so I think that, you know, being from a neighboring state, it was, it, people really expected her to do better, but look, Everyone was pulling apart, was picking apart everybody last night. It's like, oh, Bernie should have done much, much better. Like he outperformed Hillary by 20 points last time. Well, right. But there were like two people in the race this time and that time. And there were like eight this time. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I think that, I think that EW has had a bad couple of con, like two contests where people thought she would do better, but I still think that that they can turn it around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that it is every time in my in my like adult life, every single election cycle, it seems like the goldfish brain of the political media has done the same thing, which is try to extrapolate nationwide trends from two two very small, very white states that quite honestly are so small and so white that both would make great settings for horror movies about insulated (laughs) small towns that don't take kindly to a attractive young couple that gets stranded in their car like children of the corn style setting states should not and cannot really determine the future of the american democratic process we do put a lot of weight in it and a lot of resources are invested into doing well in those states and so decisions are made based on how people do in those states but i think now more than ever it's like especially this time around, it seems like after Iowa, everyone was like, oh my God, Democrats need to be worried. Uh, Biting our fingernails off, anxiety, 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 low turnout, low turnout. This is a disaster, but it's like, this is one state. And New Hampshire's turnout was at about 2008 levels. So even better than 2016. And we still have a state coming up, Nevada, on the 22nd, which has a lot more uh, than white people living there that will actually be a, a better indicator of what the Democratic base will do moving forward. But I think looking at how the political press treats this time after time, it almost feels like it's their muscle memory. Like, like if I'm walking my dog in the park and he sees a dead thing, he can't help but try to roll in it. You know, like if <laughs> political pundits, you know, see something happen in Iowa, they can't help but be like, well, this is how the whole rest of the country acts. Exactly. 
And and do you You're think? Just, I mean, do you think it's going to change this time though? Because I I feel like people are are more annoyed with the process this time than they've ever been. Well, because I think that this process has been going on. I mean, I'm exhausted. I'm I am personally stressed out and exhausted because it's like I'm mad about how the race is being picked apart. I'm I think that people like this is the one thing people who are like on television as like journalists and news people or pundits. I feel like if you actually are supporting a candidate, you should kind of have to declare it because people are looking at you as sort of like historical, you know, like looking back through multiple races and trying to read the tea leaves of what it means historically. But if you're like saying that Sanders doesn't have a chance and it's because you are not progressive, I feel like you should have to declare that. Like, I feel like this year more than ever before, it feels like less on the level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I felt like that a little bit last night when it seemed like the lead story in different outlets was that Buttigieg had come in second. And I mean, the, the real story is that Bernie Sanders won. He's now the national front runner Correct. in the Democratic yes. race. And that's something that I feel is getting buried by either wishful thinking or people who are reverting back to muscle memory. Like, oh, of course, they're going to pick the of course, they're going to pick the moderate. Of course, that the story is the journey of the moderate, not the story is like the journey of the gate crashing progressive. Exactly. And it's like you can tell you can tell what the pundits and the like and the establishment it's like they're just telling on themselves mm-hmm. like all over the place and i just think that people deserve the right to make up their own mind and don't you feel too like you're watching people and instead of you know maybe four years ago or, you know, 2008, people looked at all the candidates and they were like, you know what, this is the person who like speaks to me. And now we've turned America into these like mini soothsayer pundits Mm -hmm. who are like, who do I think can win? But like, I'm not sure that you get a real result when that's all that people are doing. Like having someone who you think can win is important, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm really, I'm, I was super dark this morning. I'm yeah. happier now that I'm talking to you, but I was really bummed out, you know? And also like Klobuchar, it'll be interesting. And I do want her tested because I do feel also like people think that because she's very moderate, it's like great. And she's a woman, so they can feel good about themselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but she's made some like, a little like head scratchy comments about abortion. Mm-hmm. You know, yesterday on the view, she said I something like, I believe we're a big tent party and there are pro-life Democrats and they are a part of our party. Well, it's like, that's always been the case. Like individuals who identify as pro-life have always been part of the party. And they mostly believe that in, like independence, that legal access to abortion is important. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I don't want to be like, that to me, that felt a little too cute by half. Like I'm the person who accepts you, mm-hmm. you pro-life Democrats. I'm like, no, it's like always been the case. Like, just don't do that. That's like red herring baby. Right. Right wing. You know, like that's like, I don't know. Right. Yeah. So. I mean, and there's, there's other kind of, there's other kind of troubling things from Amy Klobuchar's past that if she does well in Nevada and South Carolina, we'll probably have to get into more. But for now, mm-hmm. we have no idea how both of those totally separate states from New Hampshire and Iowa are going to behave because they're different places and all different people live there. And let me just say, I am calling you today from Charleston, South Carolina. Ooh. And I have to tell you, we went out to dinner last night, me and some of the ladies, and we were talking to people and it's not real clear cut how people feel. So I think a lot of the punditry that's like, this is Joe Biden's, like, I just think that we are simplifying how people feel about things and that it's much more complicated and we should just let people 
speak and not tell them what they think. Mm -hmm. That, I mean, your lips to God's ears. Um, Let's move on pretty quickly to our beloved Equal Rights Amendment. Um, I know. So (laughs) Ruth Bader Ginsburg at an event at Georgetown Law School. First of all, can I pause and just say, uh, thank whoever is in charge of the universe that Ruth Bader Ginsburg is, is still alert and healthy enough to do big public events like this because we need her. Yeah, no kidding. We, we need her to be like this for another two years at least. Yeah, exactly. Um, she, she was asked if she wanted to see the ERA implemented at the federal level because now enough states have technically ratified it that it could become a constitutional amendment. But she responded like, I'd like to see a new beginning. I'd like it to start over. Yeah. What do you think about that, Alyssa? So she has a lot of good reasons for why she says that. So, of course, it was dispiriting to read. But her point, and I'm not a jurist, so feel free to step in. I'm not either. um, Was that, yes, Virginia has come through and has ratified, you know, the ERA for Virginia, they're on board, but that there are a lot of states that if we believe that, you know, 40 years after the fact that Virginia should be accepted, you know, well past the deadline of when states were supposed to have concluded this process, then the multiple states that have withdrawn their ratification also have to be counted. And, you know, she's like, how do you accept one without accepting the other. Mm-hmm. And that if you do that, you're not at the threshold. So mm-hmm. the best and cleanest thing is to start over. So here is my very utilitarian feeling on this. It's like, look, we only got so many dogs that can hunt and we have to focus on the battles that we can win. And if the person who would be most, who we thought would be most likely to be supportive of this is like, mm, you got to start over, then I feel like we should just focus on 2020. That's Mm -hmm. sort of my stomach. What do you think? I agree. And I think that as we are sort of as as progressives and people on the left are focusing more on state and local races, I think that will put us in a better position when we do start over to get it taken care of. But it's going to be a haul. You know, it could be 10 years, 20 years before we see it, which is a long time. (laughs) Could be. (laughs) Which is a long time. Uh, But it's good to know that Ruth Bader Ginsburg plans to be alive for that entire time because she wouldn't ask for something to start over if she didn't plan to see it through, right? That's exactly right. And we all just say a little prayer to whoever you pray to for Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her longevity and well-being. Yes, uh, hard agree. Okay, do you want to move on to toast and roast? Yeah, I think that you may have something that's just delightful. To roast. Oh, toast. I have a toast. I would never roast. Well, it's a toast for <laughs> roast the it's, it's a toast roast involved. For the roasted, sure. Um so as the listeners who uh, are from the Midwest probably know, marijuana is legal in the state of Illinois as of January 1st. Um and some enterprising Girl Scout cook, uh, troops decided to take advantage of that by setting up a table outside of Dispensary 33 in Uptown, which is a neighborhood in Chicago, um, to sell to people who were buying weed. And I cannot think of a better combination than marijuana and Girl Scout cookies, and neither could the customers of Dispensary 33. The Girl Scout troop sold 230 boxes of cookies on a Sunday at $5 a box. So uh, really good work, young entrepreneurs. Industrious. 
totally industrious. Um, and also good on Illinois. Illinois made some efforts within the bill that legalized cannabis. Um, they tried to give preference to minority owners and 25% of tax revenue from marijuana sales go to redevelop impoverished communities. So mm-hmm. it's not enough, but it's something. So uh, toast to Illinois, but a special toast to the Girl Scout troop that set up a table outside of Dispensary 33. And shout out to Chicago, my old my old town. It was it was a delightful story. And those are the young women of America that will someday be president. <laughs> oh, it could be all of them. They could take turns. They should do it like a relay race. I would be 100% for that. One year, like each one does a year, and then there's a handoff at the end of the year, and then like one of them, the fastest one does the anchor leg. I'd be totally into that. Um, (laughs) Alyssa, do you have a toaster or a roast? I just had like a real quick toast, which was for the four prosecutors who quit uh, yesterday after a the DOJ overruled them because they want to the DOJ wants to lessen Roger Stone's sentence. Disgusting. Yeah. yeah. And they were like basically fucking drop mic, fuck this shit. But the reason that I want to flag it and it's important is because what people don't realize is that these are the kind of people who have worked their whole life to get to the point where they are and they're doing things like giving up pensions and retirement plans and, you know, because they just have to do the right thing and speak out. And so I just wanted to like say fucking thanks. You know, it's mm-hmm. like that had to have been hard. And, and what they're, the DOJ is doing is so fucking crazy wild west wrong. And we probably wouldn't even known about it if they didn't quit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It would have been just another story buried in. Oh my God. What did Derry, New Hampshire do last night? Right. Right. Oh, look at how cute. I'm in a small town. I went to a gas station and I bought chips from a brand that I don't normally see in New York. Yeah. It's, That's a really important story, the weaponization of the Department of Justice. Uh, There's nothing we can really do about it except send our support to the people who quit and to the people who stand up and vote and make sure everybody that we know also votes to get rid of the people that are making a mockery of democracy. Mm -hmm. And on that note. On that note, um, I actually I was feeling pretty dark this morning, too, Alyssa, and I'm glad we got to talk because I feel better now. I do, too. I do, too. Just imagine how we'll feel next week. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Um, we'll say hello to South Carolina. I've heard it's lovely, although I've never been. And I will talk to you in a week. Talk in a week. All right. Bye. Bye. We have to take a break, but we'll be back with more Hysteria. The savings rock when you find a new way to roll, like sharing the ride to work. Even if you're commuting just a few days a week, Commuter Connections can match you with others who live and work near you. It's easy and free. Plus, you can get cash and other rewards for carpooling, up to $600 a year. Get rolling on a new way to work with Rideshare. Register today at commuterconnections.org or call 1-800-745-RIDE. That's commuterconnections.org. Some restrictions apply. Okay, we are back and we've reached the part of the show where a beacon has been lit and from the four corners of the winds, three powerful wizards have emerged. Uh, I was explaining to my co-host sitting at the table with me that I read a sci-fi book recently and it is really fucked me up. Uh, I'm going to introduce the women sitting with me at the table now. First off, she's a writer for Broke on CBS. It is Grace Para. Hello, world. Three graces in a row. Three graces, baby. Is that a like... 
the three graces? Is that a thing? I think uh, an apparition will show up at some point if you. Okay. If you good. Let's yeah. keep it. Let's keep it sci-fi. <laughs> Can you use earthquakes? To make magic happen, and yeah. are, there, are there floating obelisks and stuff? And like? I can conjure up your wildest dreams, too. Okay, amazing, mm-hmm. amazing. Okay, next up we have, she's a comedian and host of The Greatest with her husband. Uh, it's Megan Gailey. Hi. Good morning. <laughs> it was a very wifely. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. He went out of town. He's going to miss Valentine's Day. Oh, no. NBA All-Star Game. The NBA All-Star Game is always Valentine's Day and my birthday. Oh. Um. <laughs> but you know he keeps being like oh, Kobe and it's you know <laughs> <laughs> and uh, last but not least she is the co-host of the couples therapy podcast and a very funny comedian it's Naomi Ekparrigan how you doing Erin I'm doing good it's good to see you good to see you and <laughs> oh see it's morning <laughs> uh, I was like is Naomi mad at me nope it is morning it is morning it's 9 30 in the morning um are you celebrating Valentine's Day this year um, in as much as I'll be alive. You know what I mean? That's something. That's something to celebrate. But no, there will not be a production of any kind. None. None whatsoever. Is nobody here doing anything? I am going to be on an airplane to Antigua, Guatemala. Okay. To celebrate another couple's wedding. That sounds wow. Yeah, nice and happy. Yeah, I got a few immunizations this week. I've been oh, a little worried. wow. I got wow. typhoid. I got hep A. I got my blood work to find out if I was immune to hep A. I'm not. I don't have it. That's good. Want to want to keep not having it. So got to get those vaccines. I don't think this person should get a wedding gift. <laughs> yeah, that's you not a crazy. Lot to, to go through. through. Yeah. 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 Lot to go through. Right? Vaccines to go to a. We- I mean, like yeah. you have to schedule those when you get to save the date. Right. Oh, yeah, it's, it's true. Like a lot. Travel vaccines are really stressful too because Dude. they always try to sell you on things that you don't need. When I went to Nepal, they tried to make me get a Japanese encephalitis vaccine. What? And it was going to cost me seven hundred dollars out oh, of pocket. Oh my god. And I was like. I'm not going to let you do that to me right now. I'm going to do some research. And I looked into it. Unless I was visiting like the lowlands exactly. and hanging out, then that's or working in the rice fields. There's no reason that yeah. I would need. And it's like you. These are the doctors <laughs> trying to upsell it's you. Like a travel doctor that of was course. like, oh, here are some things you might need. And I'll tell like, you. I'll tell you what happened when I went into my doctor. She Googled what vaccine she needed to give me. <laughs> oh, okay. feel great. Nope. Didn't make me feel great. In nope. front of you. In front of me. Now, I that feels like pre-work. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you guys something that's both comforting and terrifying. Um, anything that is a real, like, legitimate out break like COVID-19, the coronavirus, mm-hmm. um, or like SARS was, it takes at least 18 months to develop a real vaccine for right. it. Mm-hmm. So like if you're going to get yeah. a pandemic, you're just going to get it. You're going to get it. Gonna get if it. it's out there, you're going to get it. You're yeah. going to wash your hands. Yeah. <laughs> wash your hands. Don't touch mucous membranes. <laughs> That's me. I've been running around <sighs> saying, got to wash my hands, no corona. <laughs> you know, that's your mantra. It is. And no. how do people like that? You know what? I like to mostly do it to white people. You know what I mean? To create some equality in the world. I'm like, I don't want your Corona. <laughs> um, speaking of uh, massive plagues, did you know that the bubonic plague killed like 50 million people? 50 yes. million? Yes. It was between yes. 20% and 60% of the population of Europe at the time. Damn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It yeah. was in f- the 1400s, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's a great name. Bubonic. <laughs> It's so good. But, you know, you yeah. hear it and you're like, oh, it's 50 dark. million. Yeah. Yeah, it was, was also groin boils. 
Yeah. Oh, like you're all, all, all over your body. Yeah, lymph. No. Yeah, lymph. Oh, but, you know, no. the groin. Just imagine you get groin boils. What was the time from the time of infection to the time of death? How long are we talking? God. I don't know. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. I did a. She pro- didn't read that sci-fi I, book. I did a, <laughs> but even the bubonic plague, which happened in 1455, happened several hundred years after the first death of chivalry. So oh, I want to say, <laughs> I love that transition. I, I think that the, the whole like chivalry is dead every, you know, every few years someone is like, well, finally the feminists have killed chivalry. <laughs> Bitch, the bubonic plague killed it <laughs> a very long time ago. Actually, another person who talked about chivalry dying um, was a man in 1790 who many people who are dorks might have heard of. His name was Edmund Burke, and he was the philosophical founder of what went on to be American conservatism. Oh, and he was... Uh, my king. <laughs> he didn't really like all the queen killing that happened during the French Revolution. Um, he said, quote, the age of chivalry is gone, that of sophisters economists and calculators has succeeded and the glory of Europe is extinguished forever. That was in 1790. (laughs) Um, So I think, you know, I was thinking about it this week because it's Valentine's Day and I like Mm -hmm. to celebrate by complaining. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, in in the run up to Valentine's Day, I was thinking a lot about like, what is romance? What is what is courtship and what is dating? And when you read about it now, it's a lot of people who are conservative complaining that everything good about courtship and chivalry has died. And it's Mm -hmm. the feminists that killed it. So I wanted to talk to all of you about whether or not chivalry is alive, was ever alive. If it's dead and if it is, who do we think to kill it? So (laughs) Naomi, um, it's been the longest since I've seen you. So Mm -hmm. in your opinion or in your experience, what is chivalry? Well, I'm looking at the ceiling right now because I'm trying to find the answer. Um, I'm not quite sure. To me, chivalry is thinking of a woman, I think, like, before yourself, like, trying to be like, okay, like, I'll take care of this. I associate chivalry with, like, taking care of things, you know, whether that is paying the bill or opening the door. This idea of, like, oh, like, you might need to go first. Or, like, don't you love in movies when a man allegedly puts his coat over a puddle Mm -hmm. as though a woman cannot stretch her own leg? Um, (laughs) But that kind of stuff, I think, is what I think chivalry is. Mm -hmm. But that, I feel like that's the traditional notion. Me now, as far as I'm concerned, chivalry is anytime a man goes to therapy. Okay? (laughs) Your ass starts seeing a professional work through your shit before I see you. That is chivalry. You are a man. You are a lover. (laughs) Uh, Megan, what do you think of when you think of chivalry? Yeah, I guess I think the classics, the door. (laughs) My my dad, I, I always say like my mom has never walked through a parking lot. Like he always is dropping her off. Oh, I oh love that. I love. I mean, that. some love of that, that maybe shit. he just wants yeah. some alone time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I really, I'm like a sucker for that thing, and yeah. so I guess, and I think of myself as like a feminist. You know, <laughs> I'm listening to this podcast, and Dolly Parton doesn't. You know, so we're dealing with that. Um, I truly, I owned, I own feminism as a title, but I also love chivalry, and those things are have always been like really. And I say always, I never had like a boyfriend in high school, but I wanted one, mm-hmm. and I wanted them to do that kind of nice yeah. stuff for me. And I do think I, I like ended up marrying a man who does do kind little things. And I guess that could also be love language too. Mm-hmm. And my love language is all of them. I, mean, <laughs> I need gifts, attention, touch, I need everything. Um, but 
Yeah, I, when I hear chivalry, I don't think of it in a negative connotation. Mm-hmm. I, I think of it in like a kind, sweet connotation. Do you think it's just politeness, though? Like, what's the difference I, between chivalry and politeness? Yeah, I got the difference here. Chivalry okay. is romance, and it is etiquette towards and behavior towards somebody that you are wooing or in a relationship with. Etiquette and just generally being nice to people is something totally different. And it's the code of conduct that you use with people that you work with or random people that you meet on the street. And it is very different from chivalry. Okay. Very, very different. Chivalry is those kinds of romantic touches, which for me, time is a big part of chivalry. Mm-hmm. It's sitting down with the, like my fiance and I spend a lot of just time together. And mm-hmm. I need that. That is my love language. I love a random flower, though. I do love a random <laughs> flower. And oh, I eat that shit up. Just I mean, one? Uh, many. <laughs> a bouquet. Ideally. A bouquet. Get the full bouquet. I think chivalry is alive and well. I really think that it is. And I also think that women can be chivalrous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? I send my brother flowers. Um, I. So wait, you're trying to win him? I guess I'm not. <laughs> I guess it just contradicted exactly what I, um, I I do think of flowers as being chivalrous, whether or not they're romantic. Um, but yeah, I think I think women can women can woo with like I don't know. I've gotten my my fiance random concert tickets, like little mm-hmm. gifts here and there. Mm-hmm. Or you know what? Super chivalrous. Tell me if you guys think this is chivalrous. Cooking, cooking for my mm-hmm. fiance, cooking for mm-hmm. my partner. That's something that I that I do that I think is very chivalrous. Not etiquette, but it is romantic. Now the difference between chivalry and romance, I don't really know. <laughs> I mean, what do you what do you guys make of the idea that's put forth by often conservative commentators who say that that if feminists can't deal with, you know, feminists who say street harassment is bad, feminists who are (laughs) complaining about workplace sexual harassment, they're also closing themselves off to the possibility that a man might hold a door for them. Do you Uh you find I mean, I find that to be really ridiculous. Like, you know, oh, feminists, you want to you want to have sex for pleasure. You want to, you know have men pay for dates well guess you're gonna get raped like (laughs) i i I wonder naomi have you struggled at all with the way that chivalry is kind of wrapped up as this sort of like conservative expression no i've not struggled with that erin because it's nonsense i'm gonna tell you step one i think the whole part of chivalry and like the issue, like, the, you cannot conflate street harassment and holding a door, because also I think holding a door can uh, border is, like, also kind of overlaps with politeness. Mm-hmm. But it's also, um, mm-hmm. there is wanted and unwanted attention. Mm-hmm. And to me, uh, the people who complain about chivalry being dead or the feminists ruining it, to me, what they miss, what they want, is to be able to control a woman. Like, because I think there's a part of it, like, you know what I've always hated that's always been seen as chivalrous? If a man orders for you at a restaurant. Mm. Oh. Right? When it's like, ooh, I yeah. got it, babe. How fucking dare you don't know how hungry I am or what my allergies are. You know what I mean? And so, but, but I, I think that kind of stuff, when people say it's like men who want to be like, I'm in charge here. Mm-hmm. There's one thing to take care of business and the other thing to like control the entire situation and the person you're with. Do you think along the same lines that chivalry can actually be used by those with bad intentions, men with bad intentions as a way in? That's my, that's what my, they're getting upset about. Because yes. I think one of the most chivalrous things a man could do is ask for consent. Like that actually <laughs> right. seems like a really like good thing and it's almost yeah now men are not able to like weaponize their chivalry to be like well now you owe me right Mm -hmm. right um but it it actually i think as we 
like try to push society more towards equality in the genders, that would only mean we would get more chivalrous Mm -hmm. because you are treating people the way that they would like to be treated and kindness. Mm -hmm. There's also this thing of like, you can't do anything on it. Part of the reason that people go on dates is to be like, oh, I don't like you. So if you go on a date with someone and they order for you or they do something weird, then it's like, oh, okay, well, I'm not going to go on a date with you again. Like Mm -hmm. we don't align and that's fine. Right. That's they're not calling the police on you. They just don't like how you behave. Right. (laughs) I also think that, but I think like chivalry on a date like that can sometimes mask whether or not you would like somebody. Yes. Like, I just want you to act like, I mean, I'm getting married in like a few months and oh my God, so (laughs) so much stuff to do. (laughs) So many spreadsheets. Um, (laughs) What was your tweet the other day? uh, It's an 80% 80 spreadsheet making. Just make spreadsheets about, have I done this? Who have I invited? Is this person got an invite? Is this Mm -hmm. person this? This? Microsoft Excel is a number (laughs) <laughs> We're not doing table wow. assignments. We're not. Yes. Which is, I was thinking I about like that. That seems very free. Like, sit down. Yeah. You grown. Pick a seat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sit down. Make, get to know somebody yeah. new. I like yeah. it. And be chivalrous Oh, to I won't person. do that. I won't know. <laughs> I'll sit with people I yeah. know. <laughs> like, what table? You're making your own table yeah, exactly. assignment. <laughs> well, you guys are all invited. So, uh, you, I'll be interested in seeing how this plays out. I would like out. a table with microphones <laughs> so we can talk about the issues. <laughs> we can do a live hysteria during the wedding. <laughs> that would be pretty funny. Um, but I think that chivalry and like just this social code, like it disguises who the person is. I mean, it's it like be who you are. Are you polite? Yeah. Are you impolite? Are you nice? Do you like I don't know. I just yeah. I, think, I think also like I think that men enjoy being chivalrous. Good men really enjoy it and love the idea. To your point, Naomi, they, it's something that like, yes, it can be a method of controlling, but it can also be a method of just like enacting the most kind of masculine po- possible uh, form of action that a guy can take. I, I think that it's something that a lot of men step into and really enjoy it. Really love mm-hmm. it. Like moving my car. Oh, I Oh, but you could be on a date too, and someone could be being very kind to you, and then you see them be rude to the wait staff, mm-hmm. and then it's like, yeah. oh, okay, well, I know who you are. Right, you know, right. you're trying to have sex with me. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah you're yeah. trying to grace her brother. <laughs> <laughs> trying to grace that brother. I like that. We were learning a lot about each other this, this pod. Um, I think there are certain behaviors, though, that a lot of people who are culturally conservative say that women want, I mean, here's something that I think about a lot, like paying for dinner, who pays for dinner on a date. Um, My standard has always been whoever made the plan pays Mm -hmm. for the Mm -hmm. dinner, but you always make a move to pay for the, you always offer to pay for the dinner. But the correct thing is to do like, he invited you somewhere, Mm -hmm. you sit down, uh, you eat, he should pay for the dinner. You should say, I'll split it and the guy should say no Mm -hmm. but if Mm -hmm. you set it up then it should be the opposite where you're like I'll pay for this and he goes we'll split it and you say no Mm -hmm. that seems like fair yeah interesting it's tricky like I don't know having a lot of um creative also known as broke men in my (laughs) past you know um it can be so some of that dinner stuff can be so tricky and I think that like I know for me dating in New York one of the things I would always say like it's not even like I'm a money grubbing person by any means but when you don't know a person the only way you can kind of know how they feel about you is the time they spend with you and maybe the money they spend on you and that doesn't mean amount it's not like oh you bought me something expensive but this idea of like 
until you and I know each other's souls, you're like a person, like you're making me leave the house and put on face and have a conversation. How do I know that you're worth all that unless you put that time in? But then at the same, so then, but then when you're with a broke dude, uh, such tender lovers, um, you have to. (laughs) I mean, they gotta be good at something. They have, they must. They must. Um, You have to recalibrate. You know what I mean? Like, I don't expect a guy who's not working to take me out to not just a fancy dinner, maybe not dinner at all. Mm-hmm. It might be like a watch movie cook situation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But as long as you put the time in, like you're saying, I want to spend time with you. And even if I don't have the money, I have um, I have the time and this is my space and come over and I want to be around you. Then it's like, OK, it's all good. I think Naomi's love language like me is also time. It's time. It's constant attention. Mm-hmm, it's yeah. doing yeah. <laughs> all the housework. Uh, oh yeah, acts, acts of service. Acts of service. Oh, acts and of then service. also therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you on that. I love that. Um, you know, it's funny because, like, you know, you, I, Grace, you mentioned being a chivalrous woman, mm-hmm. and I think that in a in a modern relationship, both people should be trying to should be paying attention to who the who the, who the other person is and what they need. Mm-hmm. I think my problem with chivalry personally is that it's a one size fits all blanket set of behaviors mm-hmm. that men think they can just do to us. And then, like mm-hmm. you were saying, Megan, we owe them something. Mm-hmm. Like, And I, I, I think I would rather be around a guy who notices that I like a certain flavor of LaCroix and <laughs> brings it home. You know, it's like, yeah. I brought home some, you know, pamplemousse or whatever. Yeah. Oh, thank I you. I love me a pamp. Yeah. yeah, you notice. You He's know? thinking now, of you. Right. Don't you think, though, that movies, TV, media, the diet that we consume is really to blame for what men observe and intake and feel like they then have to do to be chivalrous? Like that set of actions that you're talking about that we all know that we all understand to be real has come from centuries of being told this is what chivalry looks like. Well, rom-coms haven't made it any better. No. Because (laughs) rom-coms present this fake version of the world where men can just, you know, a woman is giving all these signs that she's not interested. She's with somebody else. She's about to marry all of this stuff. And he's not, you know, he's sort of this like schlubby loser that she's only known for not very long, but they had like a brief connection. And then (laughs) But he knows that she wants him to chase the airplane and he does it. You know, like, <laughs> have you rewatched My Best Friend's Wedding recently? It does not it, age well. It does not. <laughs> age. There's a moment where Dermot Mulroney's character sucks a ring off of Julia Roberts' finger. He's engaged to Cameron Diaz Ugh. and it's like no big deal. Yeah, I, 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 that moment is stuck. And I, I don't remember that the first time around. I was like, whatever. He like kind of has a thing for Julia. And now I'm like, Cameron Diaz needs to dump that man's ass. I wanted him and Julia to wind up together. Me too. Yeah. I will always say I've that's had, what I want. There's been like multiple movies where I'm like, Oh, I thought they were going to be together, and then I don't like it. Grace and her brother. But speaking of Cameron, there's also there's something about Mary where literally Ben Stiller's like stalking her from afar and trying to orchestrate her life so that he can get in there, and then the end you find out all these other men are doing it too. Yeah, and I'm like, this is sick, and Mary needs protection. You know what I mean? Like no one in her life is genuine. They're all like a man who literally fakes a disability to be close to her, and it's like, no, no. The thing about Mary is that she's the start of a lifetime movie. And that is sick. Don't you think it's sick, Aaron? You're not responding. Well, no, you're killing chivalry right now, Naomi, is the problem. is like, you fucking feminists out here killing chivalry. I think that that's, that's the... I mean, it ultimately comes down to... I don't want to sound like a, like a therapist, but it comes down to communication. And, like, chivalry relies on men being able to decide how women feel and what mm-hmm. women like and 
what women will respond to. And we don't really have, we, we're non-entities in the transaction here. We just have to like it. Mm-hmm. That's it. We just have to smile and like it. You know, Mary from There's Something About Mary, which I haven't seen. All I know is about the cum in the hair. <laughs> um, it's it's a it's a yeah well all of these men know deep down inside that she does like it's she likes it you know she likes it this is something that she likes it reminds me of that onion article uh it's like romantic comedy behavior gets real life men arrested (laughs) which is i think that pop culture kind of contributes to this idea that is that that men can do these like big grand you know boombox holding gestures and win women over and i think like megan i was i wonder what your thoughts are on like the the trope of like winning a woman over. I mean, she has to like you a little bit. I think <laughs> I, I guess you can really change someone's. Um, it's tough because I, I've had men do grand gestures for me before. <gasps> you have? Yes, I have. Oh my God. But, like what? I'm in high school, a guy wrote me like a very intense poem. Wow. And wait, but he did not become your boyfriend? No, because I didn't like him. Oh, and yeah. so when he when I got it, I was like, uh oh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's Sinking the same thing feeling. when like and you hear this a lot too of of I think like conservative leaning men be like, Well, you like it when he do it. And it's like, Yeah, honey, he's hot. Yeah. Like that uh, unfortunately, yeah. like you have to have a base like I like this person. Like I married someone who I was friends with for eight years, and that was like a very intense jump to do that and I always make fun of him like you never d- you never made the first mo-. like I had to make the first move and it's like yeah because if he would have made the first move I would have been like oh okay we're not friends anymore you crazy person <laughs> so like I he, it, 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 read the room I guess like <laughs> that doesn't that seems so second nature to us because we're all performers and can like zhuzh it out but like if this person has never looked at you talked to you right. doesn't know your name maybe a grand gesture is actually just going to come across is strange. Mm-hmm. I don't even want to say creepy because I know that's very triggering for men, but <laughs> it will come across as like odd if there is no connection at all. Yeah. Because that is, I think you're right. I think those kind of, because I remember I used to think I always like wanted a grand gesture. And then I also realized like whenever a guy came on too strong and I hadn't, we hadn't even really talked, I was like, oh, you don't like me. Mm-hmm. You like my external, like, you know what I mean? Like, you want to touch a breast. Mm-hmm. And I realized, like, but that was a change in me. Like, when I was younger, high school, I was all like, I want someone to do something dramatic. And then as you kind of get older and realize some, when you do take a dramatic gesture without having a connection, like an actual connection to the person, it actually comes off as, like, so disingenuous. To oh, me. absolutely. Right? Like, hollow. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. Like you're, it's like, you're in a scene from a movie. You are you don't know who I actually am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it also, to me, in a weird way, puts a lot of pressure on you, right? If yeah. someone does that for you and you, you have haven't even talked to them yet. It's like, yeah. well, this better be a great conversation. <laughs> you, see these, you see these like grand way that people ask people to prom now? Oh, oh yeah. Like prom posts. Oh, oh my God. I'm like, this is insane. <gasps> I would have been like, and I love attention, truly. <laughs> and I would be like so mortified yeah. to like be in my high school parking lot with like a man that I take algebra two with that I don't really <laughs> like has like written in chalk. Oh my God. <laughs> Please let it rain. <laughs> I mean, but that I think is a really good counterexample to the fact that we're not living in an age where the grand gesture, because I don't want to say chivalry because it's such a 
loaded word. Like yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. it's a word that initially described the way knights behaved. Like, mm. I don't want, if we're talking about chivalry being dead, are we also like lamenting the, the lack of metal outfits people are wearing? You know, it's like, yes. So we really, are. We're lamenting yeah. the lack of metal outfits as men a culture. Men should wear more metal. <laughs> more chain mail for the men. <laughs> um, but what I was going to say is I think the fact that, that grand gestures still exist and that are still sort of culturally encouraged, um, that's an indication that that's not, not Nothing is dead. People no. still people mm-hmm. still like people who they love giving them a gesture that reflects their wants and their desires. I was thinking about this as I was putting this show together. Um, I was thinking about the a marriage proposal and how the stickiness of the tradition. I mean, within straight relationships, these are all like we're all straight women, and so we're talking about man woman straight relationships. But the marriage proposal within those relationships is still overwhelmingly, unless you're, um, what's her face, Mir- the only good one, Miranda from Sex and the City proposing mm-hmm. to Steve. Oh, right, it's, right, right. It, proposals are the men <clears throat> proposing to the woman. Was anyone here the one that proposed to the person that they're with? No, and I will say that the novel. Novelty of the man getting down on one knee is the ultimate in grand gesture, you know. And it was one that was so. Elu- I think is that, well, is that- CJ has bad knees, <laughs> <laughs> and so he started to go, and then was like, "Do I have to do this?" And I'm like, Ugh, "I really want okay. you to, no. but I know your ACL doesn't." <laughs> okay, I have y'all bitches be. Andy did the wackest ass proposal. What he do? It was what literally do? like I was been on. It was like late at night. We came home. I get a phone call. I'm and I leave the phone. He's in the other room. He goes, "Naomi, come here." And I come to the room, and he has the ring. He goes, would you marry me? <laughs> and I was like, granted, I was very surprised. I was very surprised. <laughs> Had you guys I didn't talked think, about it? Not really. Like, I had been looking at rings and stuff, but I definitely oh. didn't feel like, again, yeah. broke comedian. I did not yeah, think. Yeah. I was like, this is a long time coming. Yeah. But I remember being livid yeah. later. Because. Yes. Because. I'll tell you why. Because Andy is like a, this is somebody I meet who would spend like the whole weekend making like a sketch video with an original <laughs> uh-huh. song okay, okay. and put together. I was yeah, like, yeah, you yeah, the yeah. most creative bitch I know. <laughs> and But time when it came to my goddamn proposal, you was like, hey. Yeah. What you doing? Yeah. And I was like, and that's why I was mad about it. It was yeah. B- yeah. because of the creativity and el- elaborate nature of his creative work, you know, yeah. the stuff he would do. Mm-hmm. I was like, I-, I thought I was going to get at least like a YouTube video or like <laughs> something. I, I was like, put the ring on a cat collar. You know what I mean? Something dynamic. I, the, the couple whose wedding I'm going to in Guatemala, the guy arranged for, I forget where they were, someplace in Africa, the guy arranged oh, for an eagle okay. to fly okay. swooping with a ring in its tail. Talons, and, and then he took the ring and then gave it to yes, That's, and there was a photographer oh there. Oh my god! Oh, so he learned so, falconry. He oh learned to yeah, he learned to, to, skill to choreograph if the birds. Eagle landed on Josh and it had a ring in its talons. I would be like, <laughs> that eagle ate a lady. Yeah, we need to find who the lady belonged to and get her ring to her loved one. <laughs> I'm very afraid of birds, and oh, CJ yeah. knows that, you know. Yeah. But I think just on like a base level, and I. Say this to ever. I said this. We had a huge fight before we got engaged. It's like kind of the a, a propose a marriage proposal is like kind of the one big thing a man mm-hmm. really ever has to plan. Yeah, and they do seem to fuck it up <laughs> most of the time. 
you know, from talking to humans. <laughs> and it's just like, how? Like, we are able to manage so many different things and plan so many. We're about to have to, like, plan a, a wedding stereotypically that's going to, like, fall predominantly on the woman. And, like, this is just, like, a one thing that you have to do and you can't even do it. And I find that frustrating from a gender <laughs> do standpoint. Do you think that there's sure. a bit of, like, uh, that men getting catatonic, though, because there's that high expectation? Deal with it. <laughs> yeah. Listen, yeah. I'm, I'm dieting. I'm working out. I'm typing. I'm reading. I'm doing a lot. So many spreadsheets. Deal with it. So many spreadsheets. So many spreadsheets. I, I mean, I was. Th- I always think of it like um, uh, the proposal falling on men and men maybe being the ones to pick you up in the parking lot with the car is the very least they can do to make up for the vast biological difference yes. in oh, what, yeah. what our responsibility is when it comes to yes. having kids mm. like and what the aesthetic expectations are on us when it comes to wearing shoes so here's <laughs> oh. so that's why when I'm you know when I would take the subway in New York if a man offered to give up his seat for me if I was wearing uncomfortable shoes I would always be like thank you yes mm-hmm. if I was wearing uncomfortable shoes standing there and a man was sitting down look it's a free country you can do whatever you want but I'm going to judge you for being an asshole yes. if you're a man wearing comfortable shoes and you're able-bodied and you're sitting down and a woman who's teetering on <laughs> heels that she has to wear because of they're weird on cable news if you're wearing like you know loafers right, right, yeah right. um th- let her sit let her have the seat i'm wearing shoes that are very uncomfortable and the entire future of the human race depends on my uh-huh. bi- <laughs> on my biology and you were grown inside somebody who has a uterus like me so pay it forward <laughs> that's i mean that, that's my i mean and, and do it for even childless women because you don't even know you don't know they you might know. No. They, they they might be Absolutely. taking care of Absolutely. Men should be standing. I like Always. if I I'm older, yes. I'm I try and like train the CJ if a woman is getting in the car, get in the bat. Like I just think that's train. You I must. do. Well, I'm trying to train you him. Must. That's what married people keep coming up to me. They're like, you just have to train him. <laughs> but it, and I'm like, I don't, but that's the thing. I don't want to train him. I'm exactly. afraid to train myself. I'm a fucking mess. Who is, that, is that the mom's responsibility? Should his mom have trained him? Should the moms have trained I the think men that were married? You could also say the fathers yeah. could have. Yeah. You know, like I would hope that my dad passed down the kind things that he does. For my mom to his sons, I don't think, yeah, I mean, I don't think it took. I don't think the message took. I mean, it seems like if we're going to expand this and not have it be a gender thing and just be a fucking politeness thing, yeah. if somebody is uh, having a harder time than you physically or they need, uh, you know, some accommodations mm-hmm. in some way, like give up your seat to them, yes. like let them have the front seat. Help them put their bag up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can That's I, just like kind. I have I have an anecdote from this weekend that, that happened to me that, that had me thinking when we we're talking about chivalry. Um, okay. Tell me what you guys think about this. So I'm at Bloomingdale's with Niall shopping. He's trying on shoes somewhere. I'm checking out. I'm uh, across from a woman who's checking me out. And then this guy comes up and he's got, he's you know, 14 bags and he's got like two kids and he's got a wife and there's just this big group of people. Mm-hmm. And he's in line next to me and he sees me. He turns his back to me and he's next in line, but he starts to inch his way towards me and mm. within a second is in my personal space. And I knew this was happening. And so we like touched and I said, oh, excuse me, in kind of a harsh way. And he's like, hey, don't get crazy. And I was like, what? I'm still checking out here. Can, did you see me? And he's like, yeah, I saw you. Just, you don't have to freak out. And he was in my personal oh, space. My I God. was very clearly not done. I got super I angry. Hate him. It was so uncomfortable. But that that feeling of fe- being invisible, of knowing that a guy clocked you and still didn't give a shit, yeah. is, it, it permeates 
it constantly. And and I feel like there's there's a certain etiquette. And this is not I don't think this is chivalry. I think this is just person to person etiquette. But it happened to me and it was so angering. And I don't know if you guys ever feel that, but it, it felt like I was invisible in the world. But no, it's not just that. You're not invisible, but also you asserting yourself is yeah. now crazy exactly. and freaking out. Yes. Like yes. that is the part that makes me want to throttle this man and take his children yes. away. Yes. You know yes. what I mean? <laughs> Because it's like, it's like, especially because like you two, like I, you know, I'm a taller woman. I've got yeah. a broad shoulder. I do have to watch my tone sometimes. But like you, oh like I feel God. like if you, you're sitting here like you're at Nordstrom, like what, five feet of you. Yeah. And you're like, excuse me. And he's like, yeah. good Lord, yes. I feel unsafe. <laughs> you know, like, that's wild to me. And that's like a person who, and you're telling me his kids were around. And she was like, yeah, and they clock. Dog. He had a dog around They clock too. how his, his father, like you mean, that's yep. what's going to happen. Exactly. They, saw, they watched you completely disrespect a total stranger yep. who did nothing to you but was trying to make a goddamn purchase. Yeah, and and oh, also no, nobody said anything. The ladies there didn't say anything either. What would the chivalrous thing to do? If the said? chivalrous thing would have been even to not in, invade your space. Right. Yes, yes. <laughs> not even come near you. Absolutely, yeah. because clearly I'm finishing checking yeah. out. But, but even if for whatever reason you don't clock me, we accidentally touch, then you say, oh, I'm so sorry, and you step a yeah. foot away. Right. You don't say, uh, are you crazy? Like, uh, you don't do that. Yeah. Can yeah. I ask a question to pivot back sort of romantically? Mm-hmm. I hear a lot of people complain about the apps and how like dating apps have really ruined because like there isn't you're just like immediately kind of texting with someone and I mean obviously there's Bumble which is like the women the woman starts the conversation because like men can't be trusted but then like <laughs> all of the it, that just that does seem like almost a maybe a courtship or dating killer but I guess that's in the sense of like if you're on it to hook up then more power to you and technology is now aiding. I think that there shouldn't be a whole bunch of bullshit in between you and getting laid. If that's what you want, (laughs) you shouldn't have to pretend you want all other different things. Mm -hmm. You should just be able to go out and fuck someone who understands that that's all that you want. And you guys are both honest with each other and that's what happens. And, you know, no harm, no foul. Protect yourself, get tested, whatever. No harm, no foul. I think that the apps enable people to do that in a way that's honest. And I think that that makes a lot of people uncomfortable because, I mean, I'm in a monogamous relationship and I think that I, I don't think I could do it in a, in a non-monogamous context, but I say uh, monogamy is very fragile. Mm. And I think a lot of people deep down know that. And I think that people who are women who are free to pursue sexual pleasure, people who are free to pursue non-monogamous arrangements to a lot of people who are monogamous, I think that they, interpret that as very threatening. Mm-hmm. I think there's also this element too though cuz even like even if you're not just on an app to hook up, if I put on my profile looking for a relationship, mm-hmm. whatever man reaches out to me already knows what I want and what I'm about, mm-hmm. right? And so I think part of that like what you lose is a little bit I think sometimes the courtship dies because well the guys like, well I already know you're thirsty. Yeah. So he doesn't necessarily feel like he has to do the same way if you met somebody IRL, you would truly have to like suss out are you single? Are you interested? Mm-hmm. Now, if you're interested, what can I do to entice you? Whereas if you already write down and I see on paper, like, single, looking for a man, thirsty, mm-hmm. it takes away some of, I think, some of that... Um, mystery. Yeah, the mystery and the yeah. necessity and of the working And the pursuit, it. too, which in many cases is what guys are really after, right? I mean, like... Uh, yeah. I mean, oh, I sick. Mean, I hate the, that. It's, it's sick, it's but so the, that trope of women being... 
you know, desirous and men needing to pursue and women needing to be pursued. We're, not, we're the gatekeepers of desire. Exactly. And I hate it pursue. so much. I hate it too. It I reminds it so me, you know, I think that apps are killing romance, how online shopping is killing brick and mortar stores. Mm-hmm. Like, do you really miss having to go to a store and look at the rack and be like, do they have the color I want? Do they have the size I want? Do they have, you know, do they have all this these things that I'm looking Some for? Some guy with his 14 shopping bags going to bump into me. When <laughs> and yell at you and to call you crazy, which is, I'm sure that whatever is going on inside of his head is oh much worse than he did to you. Oh, yeah. But I like in-person shopping and I like romance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So maybe I'm just bored. <laughs> maybe I just need errands and <laughs> humans. Right. I mean, yeah. Otherwise, we would all just, if all we did was like order food and clothes and, and dates online, we would just sit in our houses all day. That's yeah. where we're moving, though, don't you think? Like we're moving in that direction. You know what? Something sick. It's sort of unrelated. But um, <laughs> I ordered Postmates like, I don't know, twice one week for some reason, just because busy. You had the same guy? And oh, no. I've had the same guy. Oh, that's same crazy. guy, same day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hello. No, Hello, I, Lauren. I started, I started getting these these um, these um messages now on my phone, like Siri suggests Postmates tonight. Here's your deal. Tonight, $15 off, whatever. I didn't ask for that. I didn't want that. Well, I'm sorry that I ordered Postmates twice in one week, but I'm not trying to order Postmates every single day. But it's like it's telling me, hey, don't cook tonight. Hey, don't go out. Just stay at home. We got you. Just because you ordered Postmates twice doesn't mean that you're always going to want Postmates. No. Just like how if you just make out with a guy after you hang (laughs) out with him, you don't want to make out with him again and again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, romance is... I don't know if it's dead. I don't know if it was ever alive. But I think like (laughs) individual people can find it within their own lives. Like Megan's parents who are Disney prince and princess but yes. living in Indiana. Yes. Um, and and all of us can find it by just communicating with the people we're with and noticing things about them and trying to address their needs in a mm-hmm. way that doesn't make them feel uncomfortable or And, and affirming over. those moments when those gestures do. Like, I, I mean, I really, there have been moments uh, uh, Niall has done something especially with, with any number of things, texting or, or flowers or what I know I'm stumbling here. Um, that have been so sweet that have really, really, really touched me for a number of reasons. And I and I affirm, like, I like that. I keep doing that. That's really... And that's something helpful, too. In the communication, it's not just, like, the guy being expected to make these gestures and women being like, thanks, and then moving on, like, ready for the next thing. I mean, there's a, an element, I think, they feel good doing it if you uh, communicate that you really like that. I will say, when CJ cleans the house, he does usually get to have sex that night. <laughs> You know, like, okay, it didn't yeah. work. Yeah. Look at you. Oh, and by man. get to, I mean, yes, I am in control of when I'm not, when we <laughs> do not have sex. <laughs> okay, on that note, let's wrap up our conversation on chivalry. I think that we all agree that feminists did kill it, but the zombie version that we have resurrected is better, uh, a la Frankenstein's monster. Um, okay, let's take a break. We'll be right back. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. REMAX agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit REMAX.com or download the REMAX app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated. All 
right, we're back. We've reached the part of the show where we get really petty about things that don't really matter in the grand scheme of things, but matter a lot to us. It's the hills we'll die on. Let's get started with our listener hill. Hi, Hysteria. My name's Kate, and the hill that I'll die on is that loofahs and other shower tools are not only disgusting, but unnecessary, and we Mm. need to do away with them immediately. They are basically just breeding grounds for germs, and it's the equivalent of taking your kitchen sponge and wiping it all over your naked body in all of your personal spaces. If you're going to tell me that that loofah doesn't sit there and collect germs throughout the day, and we know you're using it for more than a week, so for months, and then you're just transferring them back onto yourself... I don't believe you. Also, they don't even feel nice. They're scratchy and itchy, and you could do better with a washcloth, or you could even do better with your hand. So take that loofah and trash it. Wow. I can usually do better with my hand, you know what I mean, ladies? <laughs> I, I knew somebody I was going to go there. Um, uh, here's the thing. I don't know that a loofah is analogous to a kitchen sponge unless you were taking a shower covered in food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but, you know, point taken. I'd love to yeah. hear a doctor weigh in, not Grace's uh, vaccination one. <laughs> but Let me Google loofahs. Because, like, if they were that, I'm sure it's going to— Remember in, when they had to outlaw um, in bathrooms, there would be, like— the the sheet and then you would just keep pulling it and then it would like recycle back yeah. in and then it was oh, wet. Yeah. yeah, those are outlawed now yeah. for good reason. But it's like, <laughs> well, if a loof is so bad, then we gotta get we gotta get some laws passed. <laughs> I think I, I think that in general those things you gotta have an expiration date. You give me a disposable loofah, like the kind of like a, a cheaply made loofah that I can use kind of like a toothbrush that I throw out every mm-hmm. you know month or whatever. I'm in for that. I like that idea. But mm-hmm. the problem is that we do keep loofahs and other assorted things hanging on for way too long. Yeah. yeah. There's no expiration date and there should be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, oh. fair enough. Uh, listeners, if you have a hill that you would like to die on, you can submit it by recording a voice memo on your phone and sending it to Hysteria at crooked.com and if you want to weigh in on this week's hill you can tweet at us with the hashtag hysteria please help us overtake all the deaf leopard fans tweeting (laughs) hashtag hysteria and people weirdly who are vaping fans a lot of people who are mad that vaping is being outlawed or regulated are like hysteria so let's let's overcome that on the twitter machine um Megan, do you have a hill you'll die on? I do. And this one is uh, in line with the etiquette that we were talking about today. I have turned so hard and I'm so angry and I hate them so much. People that talk loud in public. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just like yeah. I, they're talking. And they'll be, they could be talking to someone who's talking at this level. And then they're like, I'm talking at this, le-, like reading emails <laughs> out loud. Like I've started staring at them um, just so they know that it's crazy. But like mm-hmm. it's almost always men and someone's always like white men and they are talking so loud in coffee shops where everyone else is being respectful and normal of everyone else's ears mm-hmm. and it just really grinds my goat i have friends who i like don't i did i stopped kind of hanging out with because they were loud talkers <sighs> lady who like one of was like i can't be out with you you so goddamn yeah, loud yeah. and then i would try to go low thinking yes, they might read that it. but then they don't and i'm like no i can't have you like i would live it like i can't hang out with and you it's not like I we're can't. quiet yeah <laughs> like, we are not wall flat we are not shrinking by like like match us <laughs> match a comedian <laughs> Maybe they're loud talkers because they were all in bands. You're talking about white guys. I think they were all in bands. <laughs> yeah. And the guitarists Death were Leopard cover very bands. loud. Yeah, Def Leppard or Black Sabbath <laughs> cover. Black Sabbath. I do love this. Um, okay, Grace, you want to go next? Yeah. Uh, this, has been, this has been brewing for a while. And mm. I realized that it might be a, a lifetime hill that I'll die on. Like, it's been a long time coming. And I just realized, guys... 
I don't like jeans. I don't like them. They don't work on my body. Ooh. I wear them. I buy them. Oh, I partake in the social idea that people should be wearing <laughs> jeans and that you'll find it. You just got to keep looking for what. No, I don't. I can't. And I haven't. And they, they're itchy and they don't work on my body and my legs are too short. And I feel like my stomach can be pudgy and all those things. It just don't. It does not work. It does not work for me. I don't like them. They don't last. They're not great. They don't. They're not flattering. They're not flattering. Give me a dress. <laughs> You haven't found a pair of Fashion Nova jeans you like? <laughs> I've tried Fashion Nova. I've tried. You know. No, I, I know. Love. You're my you're my uh, Fashion Nova standby. Love a Fashion Nova, but they don't have petite sizes. So I go for American um, Eagle, and American Eagle petite sizes will sometimes work. But they're not great. I don't love them. I don't feel good. I don't feel yeah. at my finest. You know, uh -huh. I feel my finest in a dress and sweatpants and mm -hmm. shorts. I'll take shorts over jeans. Okay. But I want to know if this is maybe a women 5'2 and under kind of yeah, a situation. Yeah, it may just be really, I think it's really tough for you to it find might, clothes. Yeah, I think yeah. it is. Juniors? <laughs> really? Macy's yeah. Juniors. I know. Macy's Juniors. <laughs> I love the Macy's Juniors section. Okay, uh, Naomi, do you want to uh, give us your hill? I'm so mad, Erin. <laughs> okay, my hill is... Usually ladies, but it could be anybody. If I invite you to something, don't assume your goddamn partner is invited. Oh, yeah. This is killing me, okay? Because I'm having a dinner. It's like literally the space can hold 22 people. And I want to have the people I want there. And then somebody was like, and I sent an email to the people I wanted. A couple of them I had factored in their spouse, but only for a couple of them. And so I didn't say in my email, bring your SO. Mm -hmm. I didn't say that shit. And it was like, oh, me and me and my man, we'll be there. I didn't literally what this is 7 to 9 p.m. If you can't eat a goddamn meal without your man for two hours, I don't trust that relationship. It don't need to be happening. Something's going on. You codependent. It ain't right. Also, these people who are like my partner, unless you're going to something where, you know, you don't know anybody else. So your partner's like the person to talk to. You don't need what? Girl. It's also like, I'm not friends with your man. I met him once and was not impressed. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like, I met him once. And so now, if I'm in like a paying per person situation, mm -hmm. I don't want to pay for him. Yeah. And also, mm -hmm. there are other people I could have there who I actually know, right? Because you know when you're kind of like, okay, if I only have this many, like, who's it there? But now, okay, I got to factor in so-and-so's partner. But then it's like, why? Why? Like, literally... Andy and I've been together 10 years. There's nothing I love more than doing some shit without him. Okay? <laughs> you invite me out, you can even tell me, oh, Andy can come. I'll be like, no, I'm going to leave him at home. <laughs> I went to brunch with some friends. It will, I, my friend, and he, he brought his boyfriend, which was fine. But then he's like, oh, where's Andy? I was like, I left him at home. Like, I was like, we didn't. I was, was like, I don't. Yeah, I was like, I was like it's, my assumption is like, I don't need to eat every meal with him. In fact, mm -hmm. it could probably serve us better to go eat some meals apart and then come around and have a conversation. And this is what's fucking killing me. Do not embrace. I don't care. Like, literally, Aaron, I've met Josh. If I invite you out, leave his ass at home. <laughs> leave him at home. It's, it's like, not me. I'm not the one that's asking. Not, the no, it's people that are like the people that are like habitual offenders. This happens a lot on yeah. Housewives. They talk about that not a lot. Really. Yeah, because there's women that are like, I don't travel without my husband. Ooh. You know, like a lot of that. But then Andy was saying that I was overreacting and acting because he's like, well, he's like, you should just assume they're going to have their partner there. And I was like, ew, why? He was like, and I don't know. His parents have been married almost 50 years. They yeah, do everything yeah, together. Yeah, yeah. So maybe that's just what he grew up seeing. And yeah. you know, I grew up with a single mom where it's like you do your own thing. But it's also for me, like, I like my separate friends. I like my separate activities. Or even if we're both friends, I like to just have something without you. Yeah. And so if I invite you and you just automatically are like, yeah, we'll be there. 
That wasn't a goddamn email a week. Mm-hmm. It's real tricky with weddings mm-hmm. and with rehearsal dinner, too. Oh, rehearsal well, dinner. my God, you got to invite the plus. Does everybody get a plus yeah. one? What if you don't have somebody, but you, then you're just like, oh, I got a plus one, so I'll just invite somebody, anybody. Now you're yeah, bringing it's... a random person to a rehearsal dinner for somebody that you've never even met. I hate a random. Yeah. I hate I hate a random. A rand, bringing a random is an act of aggression. <laughs> and I just like don't like it. We need to not do it. I'm like li- I'm like literally li- like can the, my hill, I don't care about your man. That's my hill in the fucking <laughs> summation. I don't care about your man. If you can't eat a damn meal without him, you need to go call a doctor. <laughs> Preferably my doctor who will Google the problem. He will Google what is your emotional <laughs> issue. She will Google why. <laughs> okay. I think that's fair. Uh, I, I think that like in this day and age, you almost have to like, because people will do what they want until they're told not to. Mm-hmm. So like you almost have to like get out ahead of it and be like, space is tight. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, I know. I've been like literally, I was like up early being like, oh, I should have said in my email like this is a limited seating situation yeah so that at least mm-hmm. you ask can I bring mm-hmm. someone some? but then but yeah if you're a half of a couple like you should always ask if you're the one that was invited yes. you should always be like hey you know no you just invited me no big deal if it doesn't work out but is this a plus one thing it's but, like gross it's also like ew your man is never dynamic you know what I'm saying <laughs> that's like other thing too it's like Andy's like well people always let want you to come I go Andy because I'm dynamic I'm yeah. fucking bringing something yeah. to the vibe exactly. I'm a goddamn delight yeah. <laughs> you know hello goddamn <laughs> okay, all those hills are, I think, worthy of death. Uh, but I want to, I want to introduce or bring around the uh, new uh, segment that we're doing in the run up to the 2020 election, and this is Sanity Corner. This is where we each talk about something small that is bringing us joy in a world of bleakness and confusion. I will get started. My sanity corner this week is looking up pictures of Bong Joon-ho with his Oscars. He he made them kiss like Barbie. Oh, I saw. He made them kiss like Barbie. Barbie. The one, the one, and not from the Oscars. I want to say it's from the Golden Globes, where he's at the table. At, oh, maybe it was SAG, and uh, he's taking a picture of the cast getting an award, and he's like a dad. Yes. Oh God, it's so perfect. Yes. I love it. Yeah, he's a brilliant director, and yeah. I feel a little bit bad being like he's so cute, but he is. <laughs> he's just like his, his joy around having his work and the work of his actors and crew and producers recognized is just uh-huh. very uh, buoyant. We've all forgotten Snowpiercer, and that's the goal. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's good. Honestly, it's not to shade him, but like I love that. I love knowing when someone amazing has something shitty in their resume. Yeah, Because yeah, it yeah. makes you feel like, okay, we can all do this. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it's all a stepping stone. It's part of it. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, who wants to go next? Megan. It's Girl Scout cookie season. <gasps> Yay! <laughs> and I just, whenever I see the boxes, I get happy. <laughs> um, I love seeing the gals outside of just like local places and talking to them. <laughs> I was a Girl Scout for one day, but I had to miss uh, Full House, so I oh, quit okay. then. Um, I was a Scout as well. I was a brownie, oh, though. I was okay. a brownie for a few years, but I just, lo- I just love it. And mm. I think this year on the boxes, there's like girl power and like all this stuff about, and they taste so good. What's your favorite? So, Oh, I like a Thin Mint Dosi Dos Samoa. Okay. Thin Mint, Samoa, in, the, thin mint in the freezer. I'm a Samoa. <laughs> and then what's the peanut butter one? Dosi Dos. Love it. Yep. Yeah. I like Wait, a shortbread. Tagalongs or something? Tagalongs oh, yeah, or chocolate. I like the shortbread. You know bread. what? I'm with you. I, and yeah. I always felt like I never met a shortbread 
aficionado, but I love a the Girl Scout shortbread. A Girl Scout and a Lorna Dune. Oh, you're done. Lorna Dune. You're done. Oh, good. Uh, have a cup of tea. So, <laughs> so, so I got a food one too, by okay. the way. Okay, so I was uh, I was uh, rolling my eyes at this product that I encountered. They're not paying me to say this, by the way, but I'm, I'm enchanted. I was rolling my <laughs> eyes because I saw uh, in the hummus section, the dip section of my local grocery store, uh, a, a hummus that refers to itself as uh, craft hummus. And I'm like, oh God, this is where we are now. Now hummuses are getting into the craft small batch game. <laughs> so it's this company called Ithaca Hummus. And I was like, you know what? Sure, I'll try it. Why not? And I tried this hummus. And guys, it is like tasting hummus for the first time. <laughs> it is cold craft hummus from Ithaca Hummus. Cold and I got craft. the lemon garlic variety. And it is a game changer. You'll never go back to Sabra. I'm sorry. I don't know how. I'm wow. sorry. I don't care how many like TikTok people you put in your Super Bowl ad. You're not going to go back after you taste Ithaca Hummus. It's delicious. It's delicious. Dip the pretzels. Dip the carrots in it. Stick your finger in it. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. I don't share it with people because that finger is probably disgusting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. is so good. It is so run out and get a bite online. Do what you have to <laughs> to get it. Craft hummus is a game changer. It's so good. Okay. Okay. I'll give it a try. Uh, yeah. Naomi. Something same. Yeah. Oh God, this is hard for me. <laughs> let me dig. Let me dig. What's well, bringing you joy? Well, sure. My dog daughter, Maybelline. Mm. She's just really a sweet dummy. And I love her so much. I feel bad. I feel like the cats don't get as much attention, but they're just not as active in their love. We got Mabel a tennis ball yesterday. <gasps> you would have thought it was Christmas fucking morning oh, for this dog. Because I was like, she needs something else than the toys. And so we go in the car and we like, you know, and they're like, what do you think of this? So I go to pay. And while I'm paying, she starts whimpering because she's like, give me the ball oh, you showed me. It. And like, she literally had so much fun chasing a goddamn tennis ball yesterday. And I was like, this is my daughter oh. living her best life. Oh. Have you guys seen that video of the dog? There are two dogs sleeping on a sofa and then a guy's going upstairs with a bunch of laundry and one sock falls. And then he calls out at like his daughter, hey, can you pick up the sock and bring it upstairs? And the dog hears it and the dog gets the sock and oh. brings it upstairs. And then the guy freaks, you can hear him freaking out like, oh my God, I can't believe you did this. <laughs> it is so, dogs, we don't deserve dogs. Chivalry. 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 Um, Truly. This is pretty funny. We have a dog and a cat and they were not raised together. Oh, um, the, right. How's that going? Uh, good. Better. Okay. Better. Uh, so here's here's how it's going. If the dog gets too close to the cat, the cat will growl at him. And sometimes the cat will get really close to the dog and the dog will just try not to make eye contact. <laughs> so like if I'm at if I'm at home, if I'm like reading or doing some work around sundown is when Eleanor gets her dinner. And around sundown, I'm usually like sitting on the couch and, and Luca, the dog is like usually like sleeping nuzzled up against me. And when it's time for Eleanor to eat, she will start antagonizing the dog <laughs> to get my attention. Yes. She'll get really close to him and reach her paw out <laughs> and touch him. And Luca will wake up and be like, she's close. It's <laughs> happening. Like it's <laughs> happening, but he won't look at her because she, gr- it's, it's, very cute, uh, but he, yeah, he's he does his best to be like a good, a good son. I love that he's afraid of her. He yeah, doesn't. He's sweet. so afraid of her. Our dog is so aggressive to the cat. Oh. Really? Like they don't fight, but it's like she doesn't like. She's a narc. Mabel is like a narc. If the cats are fighting, like wrestling, the way they're brothers, they wrestle. Yeah. She will literally start barking and come over there like, break it up, you two. Like she's like that energy. Or like if the cat, one of them, he'll like claw on the couch. 
and Mabel will bark, like, do not claw on the couch. And it's like, I appreciate where you're at, but that's not your job. That's for me to do. So. Oh, man. Pets are great. Yeah. That's a great point sanity corner wise sometimes just like turn everything off put your phone down and just watch an animal <laughs> for like 15 20 minutes and you'll be like you dummy you don't know anything that's going on in the world. all right thank you to naomi megan and grace for stopping by today thanks to Alyssa master monaco for calling in thanks to you all for listening there will be more hysteria next week Hysteria is a product of Crooked Media. Caroline Reston is our producer. Our editor is Sarah Barrett, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Thank you to Juliet Beckstrand for production support and to our digital team, Elijah Cohn and Nadina Melkonian for filming and editing our video content every week. I can't find Captain Nash and his wife's cruise ship. Tonight, 911 comes to ABC. If we're gonna make it out of here, we gotta work together. Tonight at 9 on ABC, followed by 7 News at 11. This is why you watch 7 News at 5. This breaking story is happening as we speak. To get breaking news from the alert desk. When I know about it, you'll know about it first. So you're always connected with what's happening now, only on 7 News at 5.